in a lowly cattle stable in the town of Bethlehem. A baby is born to save fallen man, but he was rejected. They cried, crucify. And as an humbled man, Jesus had to die. Placed in a borrowed tomb, but just till day three, when out of the grave he rose in mighty victory. He died as a lamb, but he rose as a lion. To the conqueror of Calvary, death bowed his knee, bowed the knee to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, bowed the knee as heaven's angels start to sing, holy, holy, to the Christ of Roger, thank you for being here this morning. Let's all stand together. Grab your hymn book now. We'll make a joyful noise. If you're glad you be here, say amen. amen. Let's sing together. Brother Ken. Amen. Hymn number 333. I'll fly away in the red book this morning. Hymn number 333. We'll sing all three verses. That's I'll fly away. Some glad morning when this life is over. 
Just a couple of quick prayer requests. I've been mentioning this for a couple of weeks now, but please be praying for Brother Larry Biggs. February the 24th, he goes for a complete reconstruction of his shoulder. Be out for several weeks. Uh, we got several who are uh, made mention during my Sunday school class this morning. And let's pray for the presence of the Lord today. Amen. We need him here, and let's ask him to show up this morning. Uh, James, take us to the throne of grace, if you would. Let's join James this morning. Father, we thank you for, as always, allowing us to be here. Lord, we are reminded as the song just sung that one day all of us will be part of what the old men called the church triumphant. Father, we wait for the day when the church of Jesus Christ will march forward as our king has conquered all the enemies of this world. Father, we long for the day to see our Savior exalted as he is due over all principalities and powers and all authorities. Father, we eagerly await that day when the king will have his rightful place on this earth. But Father, until we join that, you called us to be part of the church militant, the army marching against the forces of darkness. Father, as we are here this week, we pray that you would help us to receive what are our marching orders. Father, we pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to the message that you have for us this week. Father, we pray that the songs that are sung would help us to worship our Savior and our King and our Lord and our Master. Father, we pray that, that we would just exalt Him today as He is worthy of all praise. We pray for your Spirit to help us in that. Father, we pray for the Word of God to come, that it would go forth in power to encourage the saint and convict the sinner. Father, we can never praise you enough, and it's through your Son we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, son. Be seated this morning. Love this song, Brother Ken sings. Uh, you listen now. When, I, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Sing it, buddy. I've been saved by grace to I'm nothing. Just why I say 
more for you this morning I absolutely love this hymn I'm reminded that there will come a day when we stand in his presence and sing oh how marvelous how wonderful my Savior's love
in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me. I'm a sinner
I know I say this all the time. Y'all probably get tired of hearing me say it, but I love that song. There, I love 875 songs that we sing, but I love that song. Looking forward to the day when we can stand and proclaim him King of Kings. Amen. Boy, the church of house is full today. Amen. I like that. Good problem. To I love it when your seat is taken by somebody else. Somebody say amen right there. That's a good problem. Several announcements for you this morning. First of all, 445 tonight, choir practice. Don't forget, uh, uh, if you're a faithful member here, we'd love to have you join us. We have a good time, so you be here tonight, 445, to practice with us. And then next Sunday evening, those uh, ladies that were in Renee's Sunday school class, you heard this already. There'll be a cake auction after the evening services. We'll go downstairs, have a good time. All the proceeds go towards the upcoming Ladies' Jubilee. And I was looking at the list of folks who've already signed up, and I've already gained seven pounds looking at the list. Somebody help me right there. So uh, put your name on it. If you're going to help out with that, we'd sure appreciate that. Then uh, this is for everybody. Let me call your attention to this. Make sure you're on the same page with us on Saturday. February the 22nd, oh, that's a Saturday here at the church beginning at 8 a.m., we will have a church security presentation. Uh, we're asking everyone who's going to be part of the security team, if you're able, I know some can't, to be here. Uh, and then it's open to everybody. It's not just the church security team, open to men, women, uh, boys, girls, whatever. We'd love to have you. Uh, I've also extended this to several other churches in their community and their in our community. And they're going to be coming, bringing some folks as well. Uh, 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 so please put that on your calendars. And then also, this is a new announcement. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a quick meeting after church of folks who uh, agreed to be part of the security team. Over the next two weeks, if you would please put your name uh, and your email address if you have it. If you're going to sign up to be part of our team, we've got a, uh, a clipboard out front and we got a clipboard over here in our postal area. You don't need to sign both, one or the other. Put your name and your email address if you have an email. The reason we're asking for your email address is um, our insurance company regularly sends out uh, videos and other things regarding church security. And so I will forward those to the team at all times. And then, Lord willing, beginning the month of March, we will have a schedule of our church security uh, where you are assigned to on any given month or quarter. So please help us out with that. We'll give you the next couple of weeks to sign up for that, and we certainly appreciate it very much. Then if you'll notice on the calendar of events, there are some new things there and some change of dates. We gave you the change of dates on the Ladies' Jubilee, which is on May the 8th and 9th. Homecoming will be on Mother's Day, May the 10th. We've also added May the 2nd, our golf tournament, so please put that on your calendars. And giving you the dates for our upcoming Vacation Bible School, which will be July the, June the 29th through July 3rd. I do understand that that is vacation week for some folks, but that's also the week our child care center is closed. So it works perfectly for us to host VBS that week. Uh, and we'll be having a meeting regarding interested folks very soon. So please put that on your calendars June 29th through July 3rd. Uh, I grew up in and then spent most of my adult life working VBS. It is awesome. It's a lot of work, but it is very rewarding. So we'll give you lots of details about that. And then, ladies, uh, we have uh, our Cards for our upcoming Ladies' Jubilee. Uh, they look fantastic. Table in the Wilderness is the theme. We've got six churches participating. So I think you all got all the information about that this morning. Uh, and appreciate uh, those who've already signed up to make, help make that fantastic event again this year. All right, let's get all the kids who are heading to Children's Church and Junior Church. If you're heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, make your way down this morning. This is our penny march. They're going to come around, collect any loose change you got. Take off, young folks. 
Thank you very much. Appreciate two more quick announcements. First of all, right after service this morning, young adults are going to meet right over here talking about some upcoming events. So please, young adults on the Oregon side, right after services. And then I want to update everybody. I put out on our call system over the weekend, uh, we are so thrilled to say that uh, Chelsea Prevento is now on the active transplant list. So praise the Lord, Chelsea. Amen. As most of you are involved in social media, you know this. Uh, there, there was a GoFundMe crowdsourcing fund page, uh, fund page put out there. Lots of us donated to that. Uh, I'll pause a minute and say we already had some folks who have donated. Uh, that money is going into Chelsea's account uh, so that uh, she is, can remain on the active list. Uh, and then uh, I say when, not if, when the Lord has Chelsea's kidney ready, and she goes down for that transplant, we will then step in and help out because that 2500 ain't going to cover it. Uh, and so uh, I know some of you came prepared today to give. Hold on to that. When uh, she gets that kidney, we will do that special for her. Uh, and uh, we're trusting God for a divine miracle. Amen. So thank you all so very much to those who already gave. Again. That is going into her account, and that helps get her over that finish line. So we appreciate your generosity so, so, so very much. And would you join me in praying that God will hurry up and get that kidney to her? Amen. All right, fellas, make your way down this morning, if you would. Helbert family, you all come get ready to sing. God is awfully good to us. Let's pray and ask God's blessings upon the offering and all that's to come. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus this morning. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity that you've provided for us to assemble ourselves together. Lord, uh, bless this offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Thank you for answered prayer regarding Chelsea. Lord, uh, we just praise you and magnify you for that. Lord, bless uh, Tim and Sherry as they sing now in Christ's name. Amen.
everybody for your prayers most of you've already heard but I requested prayer for myself with this mass that was found in my chest I got a clean report this week God is good I'm so thankful that we serve a prayer answering God and I thank each and every one of you for the prayers that you put up in my name and thank you for that Let's stand together one more time in your blue song book now, hymn number 203, The Windows of Heaven. We'll sing it one time through, then we'll have us a time of fellowship. Hymn number 203.
All right, 2 Kings in your Bible this morning, please. 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. Of course, most of you know, on Friday, Josh had to have some oral surgery. Josh Lawson had to have his wisdom teeth removed, so you'll appreciate this little story that somebody sent me. Bella goes to the dentist and says, I'm having trouble with wisdom teeth. How much will you charge to take them out? Dennis says, well, the average price is $200 per tooth. The fella says, that's way too expensive. Can you do anything better? And... Uh, Surgeon looks over at him and says, well, if I don't do anesthesia, we can probably knock it down to $100 a tooth. Fella says, that's still too expensive. Can't you do anything better? Fella looks, Dennis looks around and says, well, tell you what, if I just yank in there, go in there with a pair of pliers and yank each one out, I'll do it for $20 a tooth. Fella says, that'll be perfect. Sign my wife up for Tuesday at 8 a.m. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Amen. Sister, wave your hand that you right there. Yep, thank you. Came up and shared with me right during fellowship. She told me I could share this with you all. Just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And we'll be going to find out next steps. Wave your hand again, Sister, Sister Fuller. So you know who I'm talking about. Please lift her up in prayer this week. Uh, we serve a miracle working God. He works through a lot of different ways and avenues and uh, medicines and doctors. But uh, we give him credit. Second Kings chapter number 4 this morning. We're going to begin reading in verse 38. And read down through verse 41. I've shared with you many times, I keep copious notes on what I preach and where I preach from. And I don't think I've ever preached from this passage. Although, having said that, in my 19 years of pastoring, I did something that I've never done before. I was updating my 2020 record and overwrote or deleted my 2019 record. So, um, I'm just going to repeat everything I did in 2019. Y'all act like y'all ain't never heard it. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm just kidding. I've never preached out of this passage, at least from my notes I haven't. And I think it is as important today as it was the nearly 2,900 years ago when these events occurred. Let's look at it together. 2 Kings 4, verse 38. Elijah came again to Gilgal. There was a dearth in the land. Sons of the prophets were sitting before him. He said unto his servant, Sit on the great pot and seeth pottage for the sons of the prophets. Verse 39, 2 Kings 4. One went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine. Gathered thereof wild gourds, his lap full. Came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew 
them not. So they poured out for the men to eat. Came to pass as they were eating the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot. They could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal. He cast it into the pot and he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Let's pray. Father, we so thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, our hearts have rejoiced with a good singing that we've heard. Lord, it has truly prepared our hearts for this part of the hour. For the part that is so critical, not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained preaching. Lord, we pause a moment to ask a special touch upon Sister Pam Fuller this week. Lord, we know that that cancer diagnosis did not surprise you. Lord, you've already got the solution figured out before we know we've got the problem. So, Lord, we put that in your hands and ask you to work divinely and miraculously as we've seen you do so many times. Lord, I pray that you take the outline that I believe you've laid upon my heart and use it to be a blessing to your people today. Lord, I don't want anybody to be impressed with me, but Lord, may everybody be impressed by thee. Lord, we pray that you would save the sinner. That you would reclaim those that may be walking away. And for everybody under the sound of my voice, may we walk out of here today closer to you than when we walked in. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The life of Elisha is often overshadowed by his predecessor, Elijah. We know many of the miracles of Elijah. But so often we fail to recognize the incredible work that his successor, Elisha, was doing. Interestingly, there are more miracles recorded to the ministry of Elisha than there were Elijah. Most of you recognize that Elijah, as he was ascending to heaven, Elisha requested for a double portion and God did just that. He allowed Elisha's ministry to expand exponentially beyond that of Elijah. We know some of the stories. We know about the Shunammite woman and the resurrection of the son. We often talk about the story of how Elisha was engaged with a lady whose meal was nearly empty. And then uh, through the providence of the word of God, the vessel just seemed to overflow. But so often, when we look at the ministry of Elisha, there is a passage that rarely gets talked about. In fact, there are a couple. There is the miracle of recovering the axe head. That's a powerful message that we may look at soon. But this particular miracle is one that seldom gets preached on. Yet there is such an important application for us today as God's children. So with the help of the Lord, I'm going to ask you a simple question. It's the title of the message, what do we have in our pots? What do we have in our pots? There are three things that I want us to look at this morning. 
Number one, I want us to note the desperate reality of this situation. The desperate reality of this situation. Verse 38, the first clause, lets us know that this story opens in a time where they were in a dire condition. Scripture says, Elisha came again to Gilgal, there was a dearth in the land. There was a dearth in the land. That means that there was no food. That means that the land was dry. That means that the land was barren and that the sources of substance were limited. We might refer to it as a drought today, uh, an absence of enough moisture that would allow the crops to grow. And so these boys, uh, these uh, ministers, these sons of the prophets uh, were engaged in the ministry of God, yet they did not have enough substance to meet their daily needs. They were hungry. They were starving. Uh, There was a dearth in the land, and the the dearth had required that the crops would not grow. And so these boys, uh, trying to serve God, uh, recognized they were doing so in a society that was starving. It's interesting today, folks, that we live in a time that blatantly, from a simple physical perspective, is the most abundant time in human history. We've never had it as good as we have it right now. Some of you senior saints uh, who've been around uh, for a while, you think back to your childhood. My dad uh, will share stories with me every once in a while of what it was like when he was growing up and even sometimes talking about his parents and how difficult they had it. Uh, And may I say to you this morning, you senior saints really ought to amen this. Uh, We have it far too easy today. We have it easier than we've ever had it before, yeah, yet it's amazing. Despite how good things are, uh, we still face a spiritual drought of epidemic proportions. Let's be honest, folks. Uh, most homes today have a dozen or so Bibles in them. We can access the Bible on our phones. Uh, there are churches on every street corner, uh, yet spiritually uh, we seem to drift further and further and further from God day by day. Uh, things spiritually don't seem to be getting better. They seem to be getting worse and worse. Should, shouldn't surprise us. Amos talks about this in chapter eleven, verse uh, uh, chapter eight, verse eleven. He says, "Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, uh, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but a famine of the hearing of the Lord." Timothy talks about the fact that in the last days perilous times shall come. Uh, He goes on to say that it'll wax worse and worse. Uh, It shouldn't surprise us uh, that there is a time in which we live today when the word of God is not respected like it used to be. I hope you'll amen me on this one. There's a time today uh, that we're living in where the house of God is not respected like it used to be. There's a time today that we're living in where the Son of God is not respected like he used to be. Dire condition. There's also a devoted concern. If you go back into verse 38, the latter half of that verse says, And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. The hymn there is Elisha. He said unto his servants, sit on the great pot. That means literally get the pot out. We're getting ready to cook some supper. Seethe the pottage for the sons of the prophets. I am blessed by the fact that despite the difficulty of the day, there was still a preacher who was concerned about these preacher boys. There was still a preacher, uh, Elisha, 
who was worried enough about the preacher boys, the sons of the prophets, uh, the original seminary, if you will. I never ever understood how people who think preachers don't need an education, what they do with this verse. Never understood how they think uh, that you're not supposed to be educated when it makes very clear uh, that Elisha was teaching these boys how to be ministers. He was so concerned about them, he looks at them and says, we've got to provide a meal, we've got to provide substance, we've got to provide something that will keep these people from starving to death. Can I pause a minute, folks? I hope you'll amen me. That's the reason we need church. In an era and in a land where we're starving to death, we've got to be fed. We can't be fed absent the fellowship of God's people. We can't be fed absent the word of God. You will never convince me that the best days of the church are behind us. I believe that the best days of the church are in front of us and that God's people will always support the remnant. There will always be a remnant until he calls us out of here. Thank God there are still people who worry about the dying, hungry souls of the world. Dire condition. Dire condition. I want you to notice Secondly, this morning, not only was there a desperate reality, but there was a dangerous recipe. A dangerous recipe. May I say to you this morning that what begins to unfold should not surprise us. In and of our minds, it makes perfect sense. Because what we just read was uh, Elisha's commandment, go make some stew. Go gather what you can. Find what you can and let's make some soup to feed these preacher boys. So in verse 39, Scripture says, One went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine. Gathered thereof wild gourds, his lap full, and shred them into the pottage. Let me pause just a moment and make sure we're all on the same page. Do we know what gourds are? Gourds are things like pumpkins, cucumbers, squash. So when this preacher boy goes to the right place to the fields, he is astounded by the fact that in the middle of a drought, he finds a vine on which is growing food that can be eaten. Are you with me? Scripture says that he knew them not. In other words, he did not know what they were. But he recognized the fact that they were good to eat. They looked good. They looked edible. It looked presentable. He was in the right place trying to do the right thing. And he saw something that would feed a family, feed the people. So he gathers them up, puts them in his lap, has a lap full, brings them back to the soup and starts shredding them into the pot. It all makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, that's exactly what you think should happen. Why did he do it? Well, he was in the right place. What he found looked good. It made sense. They were hungry. There was food to be eaten. What he did not realize, listen to what I'm about to say. What he did not realize is that that wild vine had not been put there to sustain him. That wild vine had been put there to destroy him. It looked like food. It smelled like food. It probably tasted like food. 
and he probably thought, this is my lucky day. Would you hear me, folks? There are far too many people today who've gotten caught up in the wild gourds of this world. There are far, yeah, man, it's preaching time now. There are far too many believers uh, who used to be dedicated to the work of God, uh, who used to be dedicated to the house of God, uh, who used to be dedicated to the things of God, uh, and they stumbled upon a wild gourd. Uh, they stumbled upon something that was not put there to sustain them, uh, but was put there by the enemy to destroy them. Uh, they gathered them up. Uh, they started gnawing down on them, uh, and before they know it, they've lost their testimony. Uh, they've lost their family. Uh, they've lost their place of service. God, help us to recognize that everything that's out there is not good to eat. Amen. Notice, not only were these gourds presentable, but I also want you to notice with me that they were plentiful. They were plentiful. Scripture says that he gathered the wild gourds thereof, his lap full. That meant that he had all he could carry. And I can just imagine the scene as he comes back to the pot with his arms, his lap, full of all of these vegetables. Remember, it's drought time. Remember, these are young men. They are hungry. They are famished. And now they're going to have something in the soup besides just liquid. And he begins shredding them. And they all think to themselves, this is astounding. This is amazing. We cannot believe how good it is. What they did not know is they were getting ready to sip something they had no business sipping. Ever wondered how our enemy operates? I'll tell you how he operates. Uh, In difficult times, he puts things in front of us that make us think we can handle it. In times of leanness, if you will, in times of discouragement, uh, in times of difficulty, uh, I always tell the children of God, I always tell believers, don't make decisions uh, when you're discouraged, uh, when you're depressed, uh, when you're despondent, uh, because the enemy uh, will dangle things in front of you that make sense, uh, that looks right, uh, that looks okay, uh, and before you know it, uh, you are sipping on soup that you never should have sipped to begin with. It's presentable. It was plentiful, but then most importantly, it was poisonous. It was poisonous. Verse number 40 says, They poured out for the men to eat. Nothing wrong there. Boys are hungry. Came to pass... As they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, Oh, man of God, there is death in the pot. They could not eat thereof. You know what it means when it says there's death in the pot? It means if we keep eating this, we're going to die. It means uh, we have put something in the pot that's poisonous, that's going to destroy us, that will absolutely eradicate all of these preachers. And don't you know that the enemy would have liked that? Don't you know that the enemy was sitting on the sidelines going, sip another sip, take another sip. You're hungry. It ain't going to kill you. Take one more sip. But somebody stepped up and said, 
Something's wrong here. I'm amazed by the fact that if they kept on eating it, every single one of them would have died. Let me give it to you another way. Had they kept on eating, all the preachers would have killed over dead. Let me pause a moment and say, and I'm speaking to myself now, there are far too many preachers who sipped out of a few poisonous pots. But there's a far too many regular people who sipped out of a few poisonous pots as well. Our churches are littered with empty pews of people who sipped out of poisonous pots. Our homes are destroyed from people who've sipped out of poisonous pots. Our schools today, help me out, are full of young people who are sipping out of poisonous pots. Too many young people think they can handle it. You look at me. You are no match for your enemy. You can't handle the gourds. You can't handle the pottage. You can't handle the soup. And if you keep sipping before you know it, he will have everything you value. It's poisonous. Poisonous. Number one this morning, we note the desperate reality. Number two, the dangerous recipe. Number three, I want you to note with me the delightful resolution. The delightful resolution. If you'll indulge me for just a second, I want to Read between the lines. For in verse 40, I know we just read it. Let's read it one more time. Scripture says they poured out for the men to eat. Came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, Oh, thou man of God, there is death in the pot. They could not eat thereof. If I may say to you this morning, I believe, again, reading between the lines, that there was a slow realization that was happening. I can imagine that as one person took a sip, somebody said, this don't taste right. Somebody took another sip and said, this doesn't smell just right. Now you listen. They were torn between their hunger of the flesh and the reality of what we're doing is fixing to do something bad. Do you understand that that's the same dichotomy you and I face every single day? Somebody is sipping and think, this don't smell just right or this don't taste just right. But man, I'm hungry. And we keep on sipping. And then maybe, just maybe, somebody wise enough to know took one more sip and said, Hold on, fellas. There is something deadly in this pot. There is something in here that's not just a little bit off. There is something in here that's just not gone bad. There is something in this pot that if we don't stop, it will kill us you know what I don't see I don't see any of the other sons of the prophets looking at that fellow and saying you ought to mind your own business I don't see them looking at him saying you know what you take care of your soup and let me have mine I don't see them looking at him and saying who do you think you are telling me what I can and cannot eat 
You eat what you want to, and I'm going to eat what I want to. What I see is a group of preachers who, when they heard that there was death in the pot, stepped back and said, we can't eat that. We got to get away from. You know where we are today in society? We're in a place where if somebody dares to say what you're doing is going to kill you, the pot you're sipping out of ain't good, they're going to look at you and say, who you think you are? Why you think you're better than I am? Stay out of my business. You don't need to be telling me what to do. But my Bible tells me when there's, when there's danger, when there's death in the pot, somebody somewhere ought to stand up and say, quit sipping that soup, it's going to kill you. I say to people all the time, a friend is not somebody who tells you what you want to hear. A friend is somebody who tells you what you need to hear. And do you understand what we need to hear ain't always what we want to hear. And it's often what we don't like to hear. But what we need to hear is that there's death in that pot. Stay out of it. It will kill you. Notice this morning. For the next reality becomes crystal clear. As the realization quickly gives way to a remedy. This is my favorite part you see it would have been easy for Elisha to say there's death in the pot pour it out but the boys were hungry it would have been easy to say oh that's deadly stay out of that but the boys still needed something to eat it would have been easy to say, oh, just dump that out. We'll find some more later. But the boys were starving. So what does Elisha do? Verse 41. But he said, then bring meal. Cast it into the pot. He said, pour out for the people that they may eat and there was no harm in the pot what was the difference what made the difference between the inedible and the edible what made the difference between the poisonous and the satisfying what made the difference between that which would destroy and that which would deliver the inclusion of the meal. If I'm reading this right, and I think I am, the meal, dis the meal destroyed the poison. Some of you don't know where I'm going yet, but you will in just a minute. The meal destroyed the poison. You senior saints, uh, you grandmas and grandpas, you probably have already figured this out. What is meal? Meal is what you got to have to make bread. Meal is, when I was a kid growing up, we'd go to West Virginia to see my grandmother. I've told you this story before. It could have been in 2019, but I told you I destroyed my notes so I act like you ain't never heard this before. We'd pull into my grandma's driveway, and my grandma would pride herself on cooking whatever our favorite meal was. 
That was especially true because my mother was the only one at the time that lived away out of Tazewell. So we'd pull into the driveway, and uh, we'd walk into the kitchen, uh, and for my mother, my grandmother would have fried green tomatoes. I ain't never been that hungry. For my daddy, my granny would have fried pork chops. Now we're preaching. And for her oldest grandboy, she'd have big old fat homemade cat head biscuits in a cast iron skillet that she had made with her own hands. She had kneaded it out, and I'm not talking about the kind that you pop on the side of the can. That's homemade at my house. Somebody help. Or that you pull out the freezer. Amen. Amen. I will never forget. My wife will kill me when I tell you this, but that's all right. Y'all love me anyway. First time my, my wife goes up there to meet my granny, my granny looks at her and says, Do you know how to make homemade bread? Uh, my, my wife shook her head no, and my granny walked out, and my wife said, As much as I spend on these nails, I'm not putting them in that mess. Amen. Amen. Somebody give me a ride to the house today. Amen. Now, as a child growing up, I used to spend a few summers with my granny, and I've always been a big fan of them homemade cat head biscuits. Every morning, my granny would do that for my grandpa. She'd get up uh, 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 before anybody, and she'd pull out the flour and the, uh, and the, and the Crisco and the buttermilk, and, and she'd start kneading it together, and she would not call it the dough. She'd call it her bread meal. This is the meal that you got to get together, uh, especially she would need more flour. She'd let me help her every once in a while, and she said, Greg, put some more meal in here. Uh, it's not thick enough. So we'd put a little bit more flour, uh, and you knead that all together, uh, and then uh, put it in the oven, and then God's magic begins to happen. And then she'd put a little thing of butter on the stove, melt it down, and pull them out and just pour it. Oh, my. Here. I ain't had carbs in 18 months, and I'm just getting, mm. And she'd pull it out. We'd slice it open, and she'd pour some more butter on it and slather one side with jelly and the other side with sausage, bacon, and pork chop. All three. The beauty of the bread started with the meal. You understand what Jesus said? Upon facing all kinds of criticism from the Pharisees, he says, I am the bread of life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Before Abraham was, I am. So stay with me. In order to get the poison out of the pot, they had to put the meal in. The meal that makes the bread. The meal that sucks up the poison. The meal that, that when it's applied, everything turns out just lovely. Can I say to you this morning, well, I don't care what kind of poison pot you got, I got the solution. I don't care what kind of poison you're drinking, I've got the solution. God help us to put the meal of Jesus into the pots of this world because everything turns out glorious when the meal's applied. When the meal's applied. Far too many of us today drinking out of poison pots 
barely hanging on. We're feasting. Look at me. There are far, far too many people who are trying to feast on the poison and nibble on the bread. I, I, I wasn't in my notes. I just thunk of that one. They're drinking all week long out of the nasty, noxious pots of this world and trying to nibble a little bit of bread on Sundays and can't quite figure out while the world's falling apart around them. I'm not going to promise you that things are going to be perfect, but you hear this sweaty preacher this morning, quit feasting on the pots of the world and start chowing down on the bread of life. Start enveloping yourself in Jesus. Start engulfing your life in Jesus. And before you know it, that which was poisonous will be given unto new life. What's in your pot? Let's stand this morning. All over the building. What's in your pot? I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Bow your head and close your eyes. Help me out with that if you would. What I'm going to ask you now is a real question. Serious question. How many of you would just be honest and say, Preacher, I could do with a little bit more bread eaten and a little less poison eaten. My hand's up. Mine's up. For Brother Ken sings the first word of this song. Won't you join me here at this altar right now? Come on. From all sides. Come on. A lot of us raised our hands. Come on. I'm coming. I'm coming. If you're here and you know that you need to do, you need to do a little bit more bread eating and a little less poison eating. Come on. All sides. Second question before Brother Ken sings. Oh, I'm so glad to see some of these teenagers moving. Bless your heart, young'uns. You're here today. You've never tasted the bread of life. Never been saved. You don't know that heaven would be your home. But you know you don't want to go to hell. Would you just be honest and say, Preacher, pray for me. Anyone like that? Father, bless the invitation. Brother Ken, as he sings now, in Christ's name. Temptations. Temptations when 
now. Would you sing the chorus with us? do need him every hour. Amen. Don't forget, young adults meet right over here. Choir practice 445. Church tonight at 6. I'm going to give you a doctrine. That we've been On Sunday nights, we've been looking at great doctrines of the faith. I'm going to talk to you tonight about a doctrine that I don't think I've heard much preaching on all of my life, but it's important. So you be here tonight. Father, thank you for what you've done in our midst today. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the day that you dipped the bread of life uh, into the soup pottages of our life and cleaned up the mess. Lord, the lost man can clean up his life, but it's the saved man that has his life cleaned up for him because of the bread of life. Lord, thank you for your presence today. Bless us as we depart. Bring us back this evening. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Everybody said amen. You're dismissed, folks.